Gracious Heavenly Father, we honor, praise, glorify, and exalt your name. It is to you and to you alone that all praise, glory, and honor is due. And we come this morning to exalt you. We pray that as your word is preached, that you would be exalted. We pray that you would be exalted in our listening, that you would be exalted in our application as we seek to live and to obey your word. We pray that as your Holy Spirit dwells in us and moves us to obedience, that we would be lights in this dark world, that we would be witnesses to the power of the gospel, that you, Lord Jesus, would be exalted as we live our lives That we would point to Christ, the only way, truth, and life, the only way by which we can escape the judgment and wrath of God. God, be glorified. And please do, by your spirit, give us listening ears, believing hearts, and understanding minds. I decrease so that you may increase. I become less so that you and you alone can become more. Have your way. In my weakness this morning, Lord, as it is weak every morning, help me to depend on you. We give you all praise, glory, and honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I greet you in the name of the Lord and welcome you on this Lord's Day as we continue our series, our study through the book of Genesis chapters 1 through 3, a series that we have entitled First Things. The last time that we were together, we were in the book of Genesis and we were exploring the wonder of God's will. We looked at last week distinctions and distinctives of God's will, distinctives and distinctions or distinctions and distinctives of God's will. We saw distinction, distinct distinctions in language last week. We saw distinctions between God's necessary and God's free will, God's necessary and free will and distinctions between God's decretive and God's preceptive will. Prayerfully, all of that was helpful to you last week. We also learned of distinctives of God's will, distinctives that God's that God wills wisely that God wills freely, that God was under no, under no compulsion to do what he has done. And I didn't mention this last week, but I must mention it now. That as we said last week that God freely created, he was under no compulsion to create. God also freely loved. God was under no compulsion to love you either. There was nothing in you or of you that compelled God to love you. God loved you with an eternal love. He had eternally set his love upon you. You who repent of sin, trust in Christ alone, are baptized and recognize yourself as part of God's church. He loved you freely. Without any compulsion, God loved you. What an amazing love that is. And we live every day seeking to gain some kind of love from God, do we not? We seek every single day trying to live in some kind of way or act in some kind of way that will somehow merit God's God's love toward us. And yet God has eternally willed to love us. What a glorious God we have. What a loving, merciful God we have. 
God wills freely. We learn that God also wills immutably. God's will does not change. Amen. What God wills to do, God will always do. It will not change. God also wills eternally. And we concluded from that sermon that we should not be so quick to interpret God's will. That we should not be so quick to say what God's will is in our twos and fro's and our comings and goings in the, the everyday occurrences of life and what God's will is not in our everyday life. Brothers and sisters, we are responsible to obey what God has revealed to us in his word. It is his revealed will that we must obey. Amen. But again, we must not seek to interpret what God has not revealed to us. What God has not revealed to us, we must not seek to interpret. Again, the things that we go through on a daily basis, we must not seek to interpret. Not, not only for our lives, but also for other people's lives. Are we not so quick to tell people what God's will is for their lives presently? Or why God may be doing what he's doing in people's lives? You are not the, the perfect interpreter of other people's lives, of what God is doing in other people's lives. Neither are you the inter imperfect interpreter of what God is doing in your life. So let us be slow to speak when it comes to what we think God is doing. Amen. Obey what God has commanded. What is decreed or his decreed of will. Let that be to God and to God alone. What is secret belongs to the Lord, but what is revealed belongs to us and to our children. Amen. This was the case for so many great men and women in the, in the word of God. They obeyed God's word. And, and as they obeyed God's word, God revealed to him, to them, his decree of will. As they obeyed God, that which was hidden became revealed as they obeyed. And so it is for our lives. We must obey God. And as we obey God, that which is decretive, that which is, is hidden, will be revealed. Amen. So now, as Isaiah said this morning, of all of the things that we have learned about God over the past few Lord's Day Sabbaths, and as we've been learning about God in our, our midweek worship time, all that we have learned about God, Carry those things, those truths with you as you journey through now into the book of Exodus or to the book of Genesis. Let the doctrine of God's incomprehensibility humble your souls. And let the doctrine of God's sovereignty comfort your hearts. Marvel at the knowledge of God and bless him. For he is simple. He is not made up of body or parts. He is not complex like you and I. He is all that he is. All at the same time. And yet outside of time. He does not exist as we exist. God exists of himself. To himself. By himself. We will say this over and over again. He is all say. He is of himself. He is independent. He is self-existent. And brothers and sisters, he is holy. He is the eternal three in one, one in three. He is the great I am. And it is to him and to him alone that we give all of the praise, all of the glory, all of the honor. But carry all of those things that you have learned about God and more that you will learn. Carry those with you as, as you study, not just through Genesis, 
But as you study through the rest of God's holy inspired word, carry with you all of of what you have learned about God. Carry it with you through the rest of God's word. It is your resource. And as we gather this morning to finally, for some of you may say finally, begin our exposition of the book of Genesis. Let us stand for the reading of God's word. Genesis chapter one and verse one. This is God's holy word. Give it your full attention. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is God's word. Please be seated. We have just three points this morning. Three points to consider this morning. Number one, God created all things. Number one, God created all things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, it is Bereshith Elohim bara. In the beginning, God created. From the very outset of Holy Scripture, we are arrested by the God who has created all things. When we open the Bible, we are confronted with the God who declares that he is the creator of all. He is the creator of all. If you remember, the first readers of this holy book were not North Americans, but they were Hebrew Israelites who had just been freed from 400 years of bondage and oppression in Egypt, a land in which the sun, the moon, the stars, fire, animals, rain, all of these created things were worshipped as God. And now the very first words of their book written to them and to we who believe from God is this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Or in the beginning, God created all things. Can you imagine coming from that perspective? And the first thing you read is not that Ra is the creator of all things. Not that Osiris is the creator of all things. But that Yahweh is the creator of all things. The book of Genesis, it makes no apologies for this bold statement that God is the creator. There are no conditions to this bold statement. There is no. Well, well, let me explain what I mean by that. No, there is no softening of this statement in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. This is the great almighty bang crescendo of God's holy inspired word right from the beginning. It was as, as it is as if someone took two great symbols and Clash them together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Bang. We do believe in a big bang. It was when God said, let there be. When God created the heavens and the earth. It is the the big bang. The one who is eternal. The one without days. The one who exists outside of time. Who is all say who is independent, who freely and eternally willed to create all things. He is our God. He has created all things. God created the heavens and the earth. And God created this this activity of creation. It is God's activity. It is an activity that is alone God's. It is exclusive to God and to God alone. God alone creates. 
Only God is the creator. Only God is the creator. God's creative activity is exclusive to him because within creative existence, all things have been created. Everything that you see has a beginning except for God. All things that exist have a beginning point. Their existence had a beginning of when they began to exist. Amen. They began their existence at creation. And their creator, our creator, is God. All things that exist did not exist prior to creation. But rather, they were a part of creation. God alone calls all things into being because God alone exists of himself. God alone exists of himself. Only God can create. Only God can create because only God is without beginning. Only God is, again, say. He is self-existent. He is self-dependent. He is uncaused. Uncreated. He eternally has been. The Bible says in Psalm 104, verse 30, when you send forth your spirit, they are created. And you renew the face of the ground. Psalm 51:10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within. Brothers and sisters, only God can send forth his spirit to create. Only God creates. Only God can create right hearts within his people. This is a foundational truth that must be comprehended by all. Only God. Only God. And it is a foundational truth because it carries with it a therefore. Only God can create. Therefore what? Therefore only God is sovereign over all things. If there was another who created... If there was another who had creative uh, power, then there was someone else who was also pulling the strings. Then there was someone else who was also sovereign over all things. But because God is the only creator, because creation is an activity exclusive to God and to God alone, then God alone is sovereign. Then God alone is sovereign. Again, listen, the Israelites are hearing these words for the first time. And they are hearing again that Osiris, the the God of the dead, the God who judges the underworld, that he is not God. They are hearing that, that Ra, the sun God, that he is not God. But that God Almighty is God. All of the gods who were lifted up and worshipped in Egypt for centuries, for 400 years. The 400 years in which they were enslaved and in bondage. They are now being confronted with the fact that. You mean that those were not God? That all of the all of the time that I've lived in Egypt and that I was called to worship these different gods, you mean to tell me that these were these are not God? They did not create. They are not sovereign. God is the God of all things. God called all things into existence. All things derived their initial existence from the eternal one true God who is to be forever praised and forever glorified. He is providentially 
governing and guiding all things for his glory. Who is our God? He is the creator of all things. And we say with the psalmist, therefore, our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Because he is the creator of all things. Therefore, our help is not in Osiris. Our help is not in Ra. Our help is in Yahweh, the God who created all things. Brothers and sisters, our help is not in the government. The government did not create all things. Our help is not in the United Nations, not in the Board of Education, not in the Welfare Department. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Bereshith Elohim bara. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Our help is in God and in God alone because he alone is the creator. Do you see the, do you see the connection there? Because he is the creator. There is only one place where your help will come from and it is God and God alone. Secondly, God created all things from nothing. God created all things from nothing. Little ones who are, are sitting here this morning, God created all things out of nothing. Out of nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Brothers and sisters, how did God create all things out of nothing? What were the tools? Were there tools? Were there tools that God used in order to aid his creation when he created all things? What tools did God use? What tools did God use? Did God gather things that were present in order to complete his work of creation? Did God need a hammer and, and nail? Did God use a saw, a measuring rod? What did God use to create all things? Brothers and sisters, one of the truths that you must carry with you, carry it with you, keep it in your bag with you. As you journey, not only through Genesis, but through the rest of Holy Scripture is this. That Scripture, as Isaiah will talk about next Sunday morning, Scripture interprets Scripture. How did God create all things out of nothing? Does the Bible comment on this question? We might find, or we do find this very principle in the book of Hebrews. Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. Scripture interprets Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. The question is this. How did God create all things? How did God create all things out of nothing? Hebrews eleven three. By faith, we understand that the universe was created. By the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things, what? That are visible. So that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. Little ones, older ones, middle-aged ones. God did not use a hammer, a nail. There was no measuring rod. When God created, the writer of the Hebrews said that if we could have witnessed all of creation, the moment when God created all things into existence, 
we would not have witnessed God collecting pre-existing material in order to aid his creation of all things. God was not looking for a hammer somewhere. Oh, I found it. This will be helpful. God was not looking for a measuring rod somewhere. Oh, I needed this. It only goes three feet. Oh, I need the one that goes ten. There were no pre-existing materials with God when God created the world. Rather, what we see in creation is not a world that was created from seen things. We can't even understand that, can we? Can we? That there was nothing. God is not creating the world from pre-existent things, but God is creating the world, all things, by the power of his word. God speaks, and there is. God speaks, and there is. God did not create the world out out of an existence that already existed. Are you following me? We're going we're gonna to see some of our flaws in how we think in just a moment. All things were created ex nihilo, out of nothing. The world asked the question, how? Because we can't understand a world that is not existent. We cannot understand a world that is just not there. We can't understand a world that doesn't exist except for only God and God calling all things into existence. It is beyond our comprehension. How can it be that God created all things out of nothing? There must have been something, right? How can it be that God just was? We've asked this question before, that if you haven't asked it or if it has not been asked to you, it will. Where did God come from? And God has always been. But that is so hard for us to understand. Billy Preston even asked the question or sang the song. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Those of you 70s cats. Billy Preston was a friend of my dad's. The world theories. There must have been matter. There must have been something. And it is a lack of faith. But it is man suppressing truth. As the Bible says in the book of Romans, it is man suppressing, knowing that God is the creator of all things, that God is the one who called all things into existence by the power of his word. And here's why I say we can't conceive that, because when you and I, when we read the Bible, don't we treat the first verse of Genesis as a heading and not as active creation? Don't we jump to verse two and say, and the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And we almost take it as if the world was there and God just needed to shape it. Don't we? But the world was not there until verse one, when God said in the beginning, the Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's the beginning of creation, not verse two. Are you with me? Look at your Bible, verse chapter uh, Genesis one and verse one. And be honest this morning that we all, I'm saying we, I'm including myself and those who have looked past verse 1 and jumped straight to verse 2. Don't you normally look at verse 2 and say, now, here's where we start to create. We're going to get to this in just a moment. 
How are we to understand that God created all things out of nothing? Here's a better question or another question. Since we have the principal tool with us that scripture interprets scripture, how does the rest of scripture use this phrase in the beginning? Have you not heard that before? In the beginning. What how does the rest of scripture use that phrase? What what is it referring to? That will help us better understand how God created all things out of nothing. In the beginning is often used in reference to, listen close, divine intra-Trinitarian life. In the beginning is often used to refer to, in reference to, divine intra-Trinitarian life or life within the Trinity. Life between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Proverbs uh, 8.22 says this, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. The writer in the book of Proverbs, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is describing divine life prior to creation. It is life outside of created time. Here's another in the beginning that we know very well. In the beginning was the word. The word was was with God and the word was God. John one, one and two. What is John referring to? What is John talking about? John is using the language of the book of Genesis to refer to what? The divine life, the Trinitarian life apart from creation, outside of creation in revelation. How does the Lord Jesus Christ refer to himself? What does he say of himself in revelation twenty two thirteen? I am the alpha. The Omega, the what? The beginning and the end. Brothers and sisters, what is the point? The point is this, that beginning, as it is interpreted and used throughout Scripture, it's not just a temporal marker. Meaning this, it's not just telling you when time begins, but rather it is pointing to the initiation or the, the outside Trinitarian life outside of creation. It's not just the initiation of time. Are you hearing me? Yes. Amen. Amen. In the beginning is not just referring to a, a, a beginning of time, but it's referring to a life outside of time. Yes. The life of the Trinity outside of time. Are you with me? Outside of space, before creation. Therefore, when we hear in the beginning God created, it is telling us, the Bible is telling us that that God preceded creation. That God is outside of creation. He is independent of creation. There is a beginning, but before the beginning there is God. There is God and then there is the beginning of creation. Are you with me? There is God in in that intra-Trinitarian life. The Father enjoying the Son, the Son enjoying the Father, the Spirit enjoying all three, all three enjoying, enjoying one another. And then there is beginning. And God is outside of that. God was and creation was not. Then God who was and is and always will be called creation into being. 
Well, how do we understand that? Well, Hebrews tells you how. By faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Who's the word of God? What did John say in John 1, 1? In the beginning was the what? And the word was? And the word? And what did verse 14 say in John 1? And the word became flesh. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Therefore, God created all things. Therefore, since God created all things from nothing, therefore, everything that is not God is by definition a created thing. Which is to say, God created all things. God created all things. Now, here's our problem, brothers and sisters. It's a problem that has been our fundamental problem since the fall in the garden. What is that problem? It is this man and woman. We we have desired to eliminate. And if not eliminate, at least blur. The distinction, the line between the creator. And the creature. Adam did it in the garden. It was the desire of man when he fell in the garden to do what? To eliminate that line, that distinction between creator and creature. What was the lie of Satan? You could be God. You could be God. And what was the the great temptation? It was to erase the distinction. It was to erase the distinction between God and man. It was to, if not erase it, at least blur it so that it was, it was not visible. You could be God. And we fight this temptation every time, every time we open our eyes and embrace the day. We are fighting. By the help of God, the Holy Spirit, we are fighting the temptation to worship ourselves rather than to worship God. Even when we come to church, when we gather for worship, our attention span is but a few moments when we consider the eternal, self-existent, most wise, most free, most absolute creator. The one who eternally is three and one, one and three. But when we consider ourselves, our ears stand at attention. When the subject is on God, our ears flop in boredom. But when we consider ourselves, we are perked up and alert. Why? Because we so desire to be on the throne and be worshipped. We so desire to be exalted more than God. But when someone comes and brings to you the incomprehensibility of God, the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, our eyes droop and our hands and our arms fall down. But when we talk about ourselves, there is all of a sudden a pep in our step and we are ready to walk miles because we love ourselves far too much. We exalt ourselves far too much. And we must ask God, the Holy Spirit, to help us. Help us to keep God where he belongs, or at least in our hearts to keep. No one will ever remove God from where he belongs, but to keep God in our hearts where he belongs on the throne. Help us to stay bowed down before him in sackcloth and ashes, bowing in the dust before God. 
only God, only God alone deserves praise. And let us always be mindful of the creator and the creature distinction. He is the creator. He is the creator. He has made all things. And I am the creature. I am but dust. Don't lose that distinction, brothers and sisters. Glory in that distinction. Praise God for that distinction. Praise God that he is not like us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Brothers and sisters, that's what we've been laboring for these past Sundays and Wednesdays. Is to show how great he is. It it may come off to you as this is so intellectual. No. Well, it is. It is. But for very good reason. He is God. He is God. God precedes creation. God exists apart from creation. He is independent of creation. Everything that is not God is a created thing. It is not God. And we must be encouraged, right? Be encouraged that he is not like us, that he's not subjected to our limitations, that he's the creator of all things and that we are creatures. And he created all things out of nothing. In the beginning, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit existed triunely outside of time, outside of space. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth of his own free will. Not because he had to. Because that he, but because he eternally willed to. Not because God needed you. Not because God needed me. But because he willed to create In order to showcase his glory. He created all things out of nothing. Third point and finally. God created all things. Listen closely now. In two realms. God created all things in two realms. Look at your Bibles please. In the beginning. Verse 1. Genesis 1. In the beginning God created what? The heavens. One. And the earth. Two. Brothers and sisters. The first book of the first verse of the book of Genesis is not a heading. And I've said this already. We have made the mistake of jumping to verse two rather than considering verse one. When God creates, he first creates heaven. And then the earth. We may look at verses six through eight and say, no, that's when he created heaven. That portion of heaven actually is referring to the sky above us, not the heaven in which God dwells. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. As I said before, we sometimes dismiss the first verse, jump to the second. God created all things in two realms. There is the realm of heaven and then there is the realm of earth. All created existence occurs within These two realms, all created existence uh, exists within these two realms. There is the realm of heaven and there is the realm of earth. This is the invisible heaven and the visible earth. These two realms, invisible heaven and visible earth. How can we make sense of this? How do we make sense of the fact that God has created all things in two realms? Where do we go? 
I'll tell you where we don't go. We don't go to the last person who said that they went to heaven and came back to tell you all about it. Instead, we go to scripture. What does scripture say? Let's find out. Colossians chapter one. Verse 16. Colossians one. Verse 16. The apostle Paul speaking of God, the son, Jesus Christ. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Paul, Paul's version of all things is to distinguish this. Two realms, visible and invisible, heaven and earth. Now, it is appropriate that God's realm of manifesting his glory be described in ways that, that we can understand but not that we can fully comprehend at this present time. Does that make sense? How does God show to us what heaven is like without fully giving us a full revelation of what heaven is? Here's how God does it. In the sky. In the sky. Think about how the sky is used in the scriptures. There is winds, strong winds in scripture. There are clouds. There are thunders. There are lightnings. How does the book of Revelation describe what's going on in the throne of God? Peals of thunder. Flashes of lightning. What we see in our sky gives us a taste, a glimpse of what heaven is like without fully revealing to us what heaven is. Are you are you with me? Okay. There are many occurrences in Scripture where where God manifests his glory in a heavenly realm and in our sky gives us glimpses of what that looks like. Now, well, Scripture describes the relationship of heaven in, in terms of being higher and lower. We must understand that that is simply for the sake of our comprehension, which means this. And Pastor Zay talked about this a while ago, that heaven is not beyond space. Remember that he was talking about how we think that we get to the sky and then we get to space. And then if we just keep going, heaven is there. Not so. Those things are to give us glimpses of what heaven is like, but they are not heaven. And beyond that is not heaven. Heaven is not high up to where you can get it or down low where you can reach it. It's not that way. Rather. Every time we see scripture reveal or scripture revealing to us where heaven is, check this out. It is right in front of us. Every time scripture reveals to us where heaven is, it is right in front of us. We just can't see it. Why? Well, what did the Bible say? It's invisible. We live in a visible world, a visible realm. God has also created an invisible realm. Prove that. Remember Jacob. What was Jacob's vision? Were there not angels ascending and descending? How did he see that? God gave him eyes to see what was right in front of him. Think about Elisha. 
when he prays to God that his servant may be able to see the army of the Lord that is with him. And God gives that servant by his grace eyes to see. And what does he see? The hills are filled. They are surrounded by the army of the Lord. Heaven was right in front of him. Amen. What about Stephen when he is being stoned to death? All of a sudden, God gives Stephen a vision of what is right in front of him. Behold, I see the son of God. It was right in front of him. There is no conception in in scripture and of there is no conception in scripture of heaven of it being far away. Rather, in scripture, it is near right before you. Heaven is intimately connected to our life and to our existence. It is right before our eyes, but invisibly so. We can't see it. There is an emphasis, an emphasis in Scripture that, that heaven is invisible to us. But there was also a reality that when it was revealed, it was right there. That when it was revealed, it was right there. And that brings a whole new reality to that, to the fact that God is everywhere. Deuteronomy 26, 15, look down from your holy habitat in heaven. First Kings 8, 39, here in heaven, your dwelling place and forgive. Psalm 114, 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The throne, the Lord's throne is in heaven. In the New Testament, Jesus repeatedly referred to the father who is in heaven. It is a true existence. It really exists. It is a true realm of existence. So when we view heaven and earth as an existence, we must view them as one that is visible and one that is invisible. The dwelling place of God and the dwelling place of man. But also. What this tells us is that this God finished the creation of the heavenly realm before he finished the creation of the earthly realm. In the beginning, God created the heavens done. And then he begins to show to us how he creates the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Heaven is complete prior to the earth. How do we know this? Because scripture tells us, or as, as brother Richard Barcelos likes to say, God told me in his word, let's go to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. Are we there? Amen. And verse number one. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and make it known to me and you make it known to me. And here's the question, Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely, you know, or who stretched line, who stretched the line upon it or on what basis were its on 
on what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. See that. Or who shut in the sea with doors or burst out from the womb. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Who was present when God created the earth? The sons of God, the angels were present. Brothers and sisters, God created one realm completely. And then goes on to show us, as we'll talk about next week, the uncreate, the unfilled, the unformed world that we now live in. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now, brothers and sisters, consider this. Consider the two realms. Consider the heavenly dwelling of God and consider the earthly dwelling of man. Which side Will you be on when you stand before God? What side will you be on? Man fell in the garden. And because of his failure, he caused all of us to be separated from that heavenly realm, to be separated from the glory of God that God has prepared for us. Adam failed in his covenant with God. And because of his failure, we were lost without hope. But the God man, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to do what? He came to bring those two lines together, to eliminate that line between the two realms. The God man came from heaven to earth to eliminate that line of distinction, that that line between heaven and earth. And now. Those of you who have repented of sin, trusted in Christ alone, you are now citizens of that heavenly realm. You can trust that when you leave this place, you will not be bound to a life and an eternity apart from God, but that you will dwell with him forever because of Christ. But until then, what you are experiencing right here, right now, in the hearing of God's word, in the worship of God, in his word and in song, and in the partaking of the Lord's Supper, in the fellowship of the saints, in prayer, in all of the means of grace that is provided for you as we gather. You are right here, right now, experiencing more than any other time throughout your week, heaven on earth. Oh, you don't believe that. Where else can you meet with God and fellowship with God as you right now are? Where else can you meet with God? With the saints. And you don't just join with these saints. You join with the 24 elders. You join with the, the animals surrounding the throne. You join with the saints who are in heaven. Who are presently right now. Bowing before the throne of God. And worshiping God. We join with them in their worship. You are right now. More than any other time in your week. Experiencing. Heaven. On earth. Praise God. So why would we miss out on that? Why would we avoid that? The time when the saints could gather for worship of God. Don't believe 
the old saying, I can worship God. You can. But there is a unique, special presence of Christ when his people gather together in his name for the purpose of word, worship, fellowship, communion. All of these things Christ has promised that he is with us in a more unique way than the other ways that you just hang out and read God's word and pray on your own. He is with you in a more unique way now than those times. Is it special? Of course it is. Is this time more unique? Absolutely. This is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. And you are with the saints of God, worshiping the king. Praise be to God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's stand.